make sure I'm on back there. Make sure I'm on up there. We go. Hello. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> That's what you say when you come back from Texas. Howdy. <laughs> See, I got jokes too. They're not as good generally, but I got them. So they're funny to me. And that's all that matters right now, okay? I'm This is living in Brian's world right now. Y'all just leave me alone. <laughs> so, all right, amen. That thing's like tall today. Um, yeah, amen. Grow, hallelujah. All right, so <laughs> you said a joy bomb, didn't you? Amen. Well, that goes right along. Amen. You know what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you can't get joyful, uh, then a lot of times you're going to be weak. You're going to be weak in life, weak in the things of the Word. And you need to learn how to find that joy and release that joy. I know a lot of times in my uh, younger Christian walk, I'd get to church and the Holy Spirit would start moving on me and something would be funny and I'd be like, "Mm, mm, mm, I'm not... I can't laugh. This is church. Well, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, God wants us strong. My goodness, this is the place to let it go. You know, go. It's fine. Laugh. You know, uh, some of the best relief that I've and this is this is what the Lord told me about this service today is that there was going to be some chains broken off and some bondages broken today and one now I think one of the evident ways that he's going to do it is he's going to bring laughter and joy to your heart amen so let it go laugh I don't care we might just have a five minute laughing spell in the middle of this and that's all right that's probably what you need you know uh you know what sometimes a five minute laugh will do more than a bunch of preaching will (laughs) i don't know don't laugh it's not funny (laughs) just (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) that's good um yeah Praise God. Who has a testimony? What's God done this week? Who's got one? I know there's more than a couple. So who's got one? I've already heard of a couple, so amen. Tell me, tell me. Come on up. Can I do a shout out here? Well, maybe. Okay. Here, you got to use this, though. So. Ansley is sleeping all night, and that might not be a to anybody else, but it's a big deal to me, so praise Amen. the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> praise Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. The baby is sleeping all night, that's the way you feel. If you hadn't had kids, look for that. That's a great emotion. Ah! <laughs> Brings the joy of the Lord. Amen. Who else? <laughs> Who else has one? <laughs> That's awesome. And that is a blessing. <laughs> Amen. Who else has a testimony? Come on, come on. I know you got them. Everybody's being shy. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'll be good. You got another one? Praise God. Good. See? Amen. The last one was good. Yes. It's all good. God's been working and moving, and, and Judah has been praying, or praying, but mostly he's been reading his Bible, and he is reading his Bible every night. He is, he is, 
he is reading out loud, he's reading to his brother, he's reading and it is, he's like blessing our household oh. um, every night. Amen. And it's, it's, it's powerful and I just pray that he never loses that. Amen. It's awesome. And, and let me add this to it because you have another one, you know, and those were so good. Shiloh. <laughs> well, last, uh, last week. Man, the Holy Spirit really touched you, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. He wrecked me the whole service, and yeah. it was very personal and in a very real way. And yeah. I just Amen. Thank God for that. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. The Lord opened the door for my grandson to start kindergarten, and he was dancing around the yard saying, I'm the kindergarten man. I'm the kindergarten <laughs> man. It's on video. It's too cute. And it's Christ the King Christian Academy. Yeah. And it's the second generation of my family to go because his mother was the first one oh, to go to amen. school. Amen. So thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God for that provision. Yeah. And kindergarten man. <laughs> amen. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump in today. Uh, we'll get into the message in just a moment. Uh, but every week we pray not just for our body, but we pray for another part of our body of Christ. We pray for another ministry. And uh, today, as I was just seeking the Lord on who to pray for, uh, felt like you are a community church. Um, actually, Bethany, we're glad to have you. We prayed for your mom and dad last week and uh, train into rain. That was awesome. And uh, let's pray. Let's lift up you are a community uh, church and Pastor Ron and Kelly Laughlin and uh, let let's just imagine that you were them and you had a group of people praying for you. How would you want them to pray? And with what kind of faith and what kind of zeal would you want them to pray for you? And so right now, as you're thinking about that, let's turn that kind of faith and zeal in our prayers towards Uari Community Church, okay? So, Lord, right now, we just lift up Uari Community Church. We praise you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for who they are in the body of Christ. They play a mighty role because they are in their place. Lord, they play a mighty role in the kingdom of God. Lord, we just give you glory for the role that they play. We, give, we just honor and glorify and magnify you on their behalf, Lord. Thank you for who they are in your kingdom and in your plan. And Lord, let them be lifted up with all your power and all your might and your manifestations. Lord, let them be lifted up to the glory of heaven, to the glory of your will, Father. Let them be lifted up and strengthened with all might. We praise you and we love you and we thank you so much, Father, for them. Lord, let them move in wisdom. Let them move in holiness. Let them move in your power and your love. Let those things manifest in their lives. And just your blessing, Lord, let it be manifested in so many ways in Pastor Ron and Kelly's life and in their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And, um, you know, I had a, uh, I want to do one more thing. I had a uh, message this morning. There's a lady, uh, Grace, that may have, may, 
was watching a while ago. I hope you're uh, still there. And if so, we say hello and we just love you. So she asked for some prayer. And so I, I actually called her. I don't normally do this, but kind of felt led to pray for her before the service. So part of me coming in uh, during the third song was I was on the phone with her. And uh, let's just lift her up right now, okay? And so, Lord, we just lift up grace in Jesus' name. Lord, let the fullness of who you are, let your love fill all the empty places. Lord, let wisdom and revelation knowledge of your love fill her mind, fill her soul, fill her spirit, Lord. Let your glory manifest in her life and touch her in a way that she knows this is you. It's not Boomerang. It's not Pastor Brian. This is God. Lord, let, we just ask that your will be done in her life as it is in heaven right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, um, we have been, I'm going to attempt to sit and not move too much. I just I felt like this message this week was really personal and um, really going to be strong. This is one of the messages I actually kind of want to jump around and shout and everything. Personally, that's what I'd like to do. But there's something, something very special about this message. And um, we've been talking about being all in. And we've been talking about being all in uh, with Peter in the first message. And... Um, we were talking about how he was so passionate. Peter was so passionate. And that was, I love that about Peter. And, uh, but we were also talking about um, that the Jews themselves, the people that God chose, they were passionate. They were, and then we, you know, the Greek is what the New Testament mostly was written in. And that language itself is a passionate language. And then you go into Revelation, and God tells us that he wants us to be either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. In other words, he says, be passionate. Be passionate one way or the other, but don't be lukewarm. Don't find yourself in the middle of passion, basically experiencing and doing nothing. Be passionate, all right? And then, uh, you know, last week we continued on with just being all in. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, we really talked about the flesh last week and how the flesh will um, try to derail us, you know. And that it was one of those messages I went that uh, you listen to, and you generally are going to have one. You're going to have a passionate response to that kind of message. You're either going to have a passion, uh, oh yeah, praise God, I need to hear that to encourage me and inspire me, or you're going to have this response, shut up, Pastor Brian. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I thought about was what actually happens when we're preaching? You know, what actually happens because when you have that kind of response to a message, what, what is actually going on here? You know, what, because I think if we could see with eyes in the Spirit, we would look at preaching and church a little differently than how we look at it. Because ultimately what's going on is, if I'm doing my job right uh, as a pastor, then I'm simply a, uh, basically receiving the things of God and obediently speaking the things of God without really putting my opinion in them. 
And now, what happens, though, is as we renew our minds, the opinions of God should become our opinions, okay? And so a lot of times what will happen is, as we know this, and, you know, if you counsel with me or you hear me preach, you start to learn who I am and how I think, and how I think should start to more and more, if I'm actually giving myself over to the Lord and renewing my mind, how I think should look more and more like what God thinks. Is that correct as, as maturity? So what happens a lot of times is we will come in to a service and we'll be like, Here's Pastor Brian giving us his opinion again. Golly, I'm so tired. Would you shut up, Pastor Brian? I'm I f- quit talking about my flesh and everything. That's what the flesh sounds like, just in case you were wondering. It's like a like a, a you know um, southern gentleman. So um, and so <laughs> there's a uh, but a lot of times I've seen people hear that kind of message, and man, they just they get almost upset with me. But if you could see in the spirit what was actually happening, if I'm doing my job right, here's what's happening. I'm kind of just like a a funnel that receives the things of God, and they should flow right through me to you. My opinion really shouldn't be in there. And I'm not saying that I never have my opinion in there, Brian's opinion. I'm not saying that. But in general, I try not to. And what's actually happened in the Spirit is the things of God and the Spirit of God is coming down through a vessel, passing through, and in you, inside of you, that supernatural power and love of God, the truth of God, is doing a couple of things. Number one, it's taking the godly part of you, the spiritual part, and it is beefing it up. It is making it strong. And so that's the part of you that goes, yeah, I needed that. Thank you, thank you. You know, because a wise person takes godly correction and rebuke, and they receive it. But it says a foolish person rejects that, all right? So the foolish side of us is that flesh side of us, that corrupted flesh side of us, and it it basically is sitting there going, no! I mean, if you can imagine a little kid, you know, throwing a temper tantrum in a fit because... While the spirit is being strengthened, the flesh is being put down. And so a lot of times when we hear a message and we're like, I just wish that preacher would shut up, you know. And when we're feeling that way, what's actually happening in you is that's the voice of the flesh. And it's very important for us to recognize the two different ones because as we actually take that voice of the flesh and we decide, I'm not listening to you anymore then what we do is we allow God to empower us to move into things and break off the junk of the world and walk in the life of God. But it's not necessarily me, well, no, it's not me that makes that decision. It's you, individually. But seeing those things and understanding those things helps us to put things into the right place and understand what's going on. You remember a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night we were talking about if you have a negative thought, it is not from God. So if you're sitting there going, I just wish he would shut up. That's not from God. Because I'm a nice guy anyway. So (laughs) It's not from God. It's not from God. That's a negative, wrong thought, and it's not from him. So you have to say, all right, and recognize, if it's not from God, I don't want it. I don't want it. 
I want what God has for me. That means that I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to put down the flesh, put down that negative emotion, negative thoughts, and I'm going to take on that discipline and that correction, and I'm going to allow God to strengthen me. Because I think we've proven time and time and time again, no one in here looks fully like Jesus yet. And if we don't fully look like Jesus yet, that means we have some correcting to do. And if we have some correcting to do, that means our life gets better. But it doesn't get better until we actually receive what God has for us. Okay? Well, that receiving of what God has for us happens right now. As you allow God to minister to you through the words that he flows through me, and you say, yes, that's the Lord. Yes, that's the heart of God. Flesh, you got to go away. you got to get put down. All right? So today, keeping that in mind, um, I want you to stay in a spirit of expectation. I want you to be expecting God to move and, and break off some of the junk that's been in your life so that you can walk in higher places of freedom. Today we're talking about being all in. Part three, killing our flesh ties. Killing the ties of the flesh. What holds us down to a fleshly world so that we don't experience the heavenly supernatural things of God? All right? So I was... This week, uh, my one of my spiritual fathers, uh, Pastor J.B. Whitfield, he was going to Texas to do a conference. And as soon as he told me about it, I just knew uh, in my heart that I was supposed to go and help him. Um, in the process, as I esteemed him and what I should do to help him, whatever you need. Hey, if you need something, I'm there, I'm available. So in the process of doing that, guess what? I got blessed. I got big time blessed. Well, that, that happened basically on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But then I had a friend of mine say, hey, there's a minister that's having a minister's conference, and it's on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning, which fit perfectly. All we got to do, I'll pick you up. If you come in a couple of days early, we can go to that minister's conference, and if, then we can get back uh, to the conference that your uh, pastor is doing. And uh, so then we can, I was like, praise God, because just so happens the minister's conference, the person that's over that, the minister there, is somebody that the Holy Spirit had been telling me, I need to get to know them better. So this was just God, up and down. It was awesome, right? So then I get there, and the things that they go through are exactly what God has been showing and talking to me about boomerang. So I mean, what we, where we've been and where we're heading, that's exactly what they were talking about. So I, it was like God appointment, right? But in that process, here's what happened. Now, I would say that the ministers that were at this conference, they were not your average ministers. I would say that they would, in my opinion, they were maybe a notch above, right? Uh, they weren't just your average ministers. They were a notch above, and they knew some things that I would say most people don't know about the things of God, and that's part of what we were talking about. Um, so... Here's what happened, though. Session one, session two, session three, the beginning of it, we just couldn't enter in to the things of the Lord yet. We, here's these ministers now, not just, not just your everyday people, people that should be going after God with everything they have, 
And they're not just regular ministers. They're kind of a notch above. And here they are, and they can't enter in yet. Why? Because the things of the world, you know, sometimes you've got to shake them off. You've got to get in a place of expectation. You've got ties to that stuff. And, and so here's what happened over that next day or so. All we did was just pressed into God and, and decidedly, intentionally decided to just shake the junk of the world off so that we could actually get to the place where God could do in our lives what he wanted to do. Now, these are people that should know how to do that anyway. They should walk in ready and with expectation. And once that happened, I'm telling you, and, and don't let this scare you. This is, <laughs> so there was a, there was a five-hour service. Amen. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't even care to look at my watch. You know why? Because God showed up. I was I was not hungry. I didn't have to go to the bathroom all the time. I didn't want to look at my watch four and a half hours in. I didn't even care. Why? Because God was there. But why was God able to move like that? Because we cut the ties to the flesh and purposed ourselves to enter into the things of God. So what I, the lesson I want you to get out of that is how much, you know, how much more do we probably need to purpose ourselves on a regular basis to go into the things of God so that, so that we experience Him? Because a lot of times what's, what's holding us back from the things of God is not the willingness of God. What's holding us back from the things of God is our willingness to enter in. Yeah. If we would get willing to enter in, God's there. God's waiting on us, not us waiting on God. Let me say that again. God's waiting on us. And so what that means is when we come in that door, we come in with an expectation. We come in ready to receive. We, and and you, we don't just do that when we come in that door. We carry an expectation with us everywhere we go that we are tied in with God, not tied into the flesh. And that way, the things of God can happen no matter where we're at or what we're doing. We're starting to experience Him and to get to know Him more and more. And the power of God can hit us in the middle of our job. It can hit us while we're at sleep at night. He can just empower us and give us this blessed sleep. He can empower us to do what He's called us to do. But we've become so used to different things and we've become so tuned in to the flesh that we don't even realize that we're tied to it so many times. So it's important for us to recognize that and be intentional about certain things pressing in. It's our job, it's our responsibilities as Christians to do that. Somebody around you needs for you to be walking in the things of God on a level that's not earthly. Somebody around you needs you to be walking in the things of God that's not earthly. Amen. That's supernatural. You need you walking in the, in the things of God that's not earthly. Your family yeah. needs this. But this is not something that you just go, Okay, God, hit me. 
Because that attitude, that's not humble. That's not humility. That's not the place where greater grace is experienced and received. Humility says, you're waiting on me. What do I need to do to experience you? What do I need to do to experience the reality of who I know that you are? I know that you're more real than what I've been experiencing. What do I need to do? And it, it comes back to us going, you know what? I got to go all in. I can't afford to have a portion of God from my decisions that would hold him out or throttle him. I need to go all in with him. I need to go all in. And what, what we're talking about this morning is how um, a lot of the things that hold us back from hitting those places with God are the things that we love the most. And you know, we talked about it last week where we hit a point in our walk where it's like this line where we finally start living for the Lord and we start, don't, we don't just call him Lord, but he becomes king. Yeah. He makes the decisions. Yeah. And we face that reality. You know, if you've said in the leadership uh, classes that we'll, we'll teach you how to be a leader in that we, we say it's very important. Growth without change is impossible. And it, we talk about in order to change, you must face the facts. You must face reality. And the reality is what the world has taught us to be is far away from what God has called us to be. Reality is, as much as we think that we've gone after God, really, if we're not experiencing the things of God like Jesus did, we haven't really gone after God. Yeah. And that's reality. So what does that say? Does that say that those things aren't around today? Or does that say that I've got something to do about it? I've got something to do with it. Brian has something to do with it. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Brian has something to do about it. But you also have something to do about it. We all do. And even when you feel like you've pressed in and, and like, you know, as we went on in that minister's conference and it was awesome. Now, I could sit back for the next two months and just go, God, what you did there was so great and it was awesome. And I should do those things, but I'm not to live in the past, even if it was glorious. I'm to live in the now. Now, faith says, let me continue to press in and have now the glorious things of God not just last week now right now this morning Lord let your glory be poured out and let me continue to press in go all in with you so that I can experience those things Amen. so very interesting we started off this series where Peter sees Jesus in John 21 and he sees Jesus, and he leaves the boat behind. He grabs all his stuff. He, they weren't far from the shore, but he grabs all his stuff, jumps in the water, and, he, and basically his actions say, 
Y'all can do what you want to. I'm going after God. I'm going after Christ. And I'm taking all my stuff with me. I'm not leaving anything behind. He was all in. And, and then uh, they started out that story at the beginning of John chapter 21. And, and if you go on past what we just talked about, it started out by them being basically gathered together with the disciples in 21.3. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Well, what had Peter been before he met Jesus? A fisherman. What did Peter know? Fishing. Let me ask it this way. What was he comfortable with? Fishing. This was his, this was his wheelhouse. Fishing was his wheelhouse. This was his home base. I know for many years, uh, as young adults, after Nicole and I got married we would hit financial problems and it'd be like who who who'd we call mom dad. mom dad and if one of them couldn't do it we'd call the other one mom dad that was our comfort zone until eventually we got the revelation that if we don't stop calling mom and dad god can never be our source in our finances We had to get to that place where we said, this is what we've been comfortable with. But now it's time to step out of our comfort zone and actually trust God. Press into the things of God. And in that process, the next time something came up, I don't think, and once I started to realize that, I don't think, I think I still called them once or twice but it was, I was convicted at that point, and maybe the third time or something, I said, we're not calling. I don't care. They can bounce every check I got. I ain't calling. Because I was convicted to go all in. It was one of those crosses that I had to pick up and die to self, and I'm carrying this cross of faith. I ain't calling. Well, guess what happens? What happens when you do that? God shows up. Now he can move. Now he can pour out supernatural power because you've decided to make him your source and not somebody else. So here was, this is Peter's comfort zone. I don't know where Jesus went. He died. He arose again, you know, but he's not around today. I'm going fishing. Goes back to your comfort zone. How many times have you had something in your life and you just, you know, you kind of default right back to that comfort zone it worked for me in the past well guess what the more revelation that you get in God the less and less that thing's going to work that old way that way of the flesh let me the the lesser truth or the lesser facts start to not work anymore and trust me I I 100% believe if Peter went back to fishing he would have never been successful from this point forward you know why? He had revelation of a better way. The better way was following Christ. That old way won't work anymore. So he goes, I'm going fishing. So uh, not necessarily a good thing, but Jesus is still teaching them. Even though he wasn't with them, the Holy Spirit sees, knows all those things God does, and he helps them out. And so uh, comes up, they fish all night. Again, what happened? Nothing. They didn't catch anything. 
I wonder why. Because they were doing it the old way. Not trusting Christ. Not waiting on him. But then to prove a point, you know, Jesus is on the shore. They don't recognize him. He says, cast your nets on the other side. So they cast the nets on the other side and they catch a huge amount of fish. And then the disciple yells out, it's the Lord. Peter grabs his stuff, jumps in the water. You know, he's, he's doing the backstroke to the shore as fast as he can to get to Jesus. And then, in John 21, verse 8, it says, But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw uh, a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread, which is very interesting. The fish were already there. Let me, let me just point this out. When you actually move into the things of God and you trust him and you're willing to put away your comfort zone, you'll find that your fish are already there. That God already has them supplied for you. In the spirit, it's waiting on you to simply go all in and put your comfort zones down. Jesus said, now this is interesting because they already had fish, right? So this is an interesting statement. He says in verse 10, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Well, they already had fish. So why is he saying that? So Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, full of fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So now we're talking about a supernatural increase that doesn't bring uh, the devouring uh, sources of the world. But it's supernatural where there's no loss. There's no lack. When we will leave our comfort zone and go all in with God, you'll find that things in that place are much more efficient. Whereas you go and go and stuff breaks and everything. When we start moving all in with God and we get out of our comfort zone, we, we cut ties to fleshly ways, all of a sudden we stop seeing the amount of devouring that the thief does. So Jesus said, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And then he said to him, yes, Lord, I know you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more? Do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Okay, so one of the things that's going on here is very interesting is <clears throat> when Jesus says, do you love me, the word love there, he says it's an, a word that means agape love. It's the God kind of love. So he says, Peter, do you love me with the God kind of love? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. But he says the word he uses for love is brotherly love. Okay? So uh, I can have a brotherly love with somebody because I have a fellowship with them in the flesh. 
But to have a God love, I can love somebody that I've never met. There's no ties to the flesh. So Jesus does that the first two times. Do you love me with a God kind of love? And Peter says, I love you with a fleshly kind of love. And he answered that the same way. Now the third time Jesus said, do you love me with a fleshly kind of love, the phileo love, uh, you know, the brotherly love. And, and he, Jesus said, do you love me that way? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. So what's interesting here is that Jesus in this whole uh, conversation is trying to get Peter to connect with him outside of the flesh and in the spirit. Yeah. To love me, not with a fleshly love, but with a spiritual love. Now, Peter, it appears Peter was not grasping the concept, but it's okay because God's merciful. But it's interesting the very first time that Jesus asked him that because he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, the context of it was they were fishing. They had fish on the fire. They pulled fish up here. The context was, will you love me with your spirit, with a God kind of love, more than you love me with your flesh? So what he was asking, in my opinion, he was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than what your comfort zone is? Do you love me more than what you're used to? Do you love me enough to break ties with the thing that you have found provision in for all these years? Do you love me enough to step out into the places of the unknown and away from your comfort zone? Or are you going to stick with fishing where it's not going to work for you anymore? Are you willing to go after me and go all in more than you're willing to hold on to your flesh and what's comfortable? Now, why would Jesus ask that? The the question is, why would he ask that? Because, you know, here's what your flesh does when it's presented and since we've been talking about being all in how many thing how many people have had the holy spirit bring up something to you that you need to change yeah anybody got 5 do i hear 10 20 30 all right yeah there's a few things all right now tell me if this is correct you he brings up that stuff and your flesh goes No, I like that. I want that. No, don't take it from me, Lord. And he tells you, if he takes that, you'll be void of that joy. Here's the question. Is real joy found in anything but God? So real joy, that's not bringing joy. That's a false counterfeit joy that he's asking you to give up. But the Lord doesn't ask you to give up things without having a replacement of the real. I'm not going to ask you to give me something counterfeit and and then let it be replaced with something that's not counterfeit, that's not going to be real. I'm not going to ask you to do that. 
So once we start to really know who God is, then all of a sudden we can say, man, if he's asking me for something, his character and his nature is to replace it with something else. That's even better. Otherwise, his character and his nature would not be who he is. His character and his nature, his love for us, demands that if he asks us for something, that he's going to replace it with something better. But here's the thing. A lot of times our flesh and our comfort zone, our wheelhouse, it doesn't see the things as, as good as God does. In other words, when we stay connected to that flesh tie, it's always going to say, well, this stinks because I'm receiving something lower than that for something higher. Well, that's a bad trade. That's what your flesh will say. But your spirit will be saying, step out into this. Love him more than these. Love him more than my comfort. Love him more than the things that my flesh longs for. Your spirit will be saying, go, go, go. But your flesh will be going, no, no, no. You know? And we've got to learn how to recognize which voice is which and do the right thing with the right voice. With the voice of God, go, yes. And with the voice of the flesh, go, "Mm -mm, sorry, I've been listening to you for too long. And it's time for you to go. This is your eviction notice. Pack your bags. Don't make me take you to the courts of heaven and get you kicked out. (laughs) You just leave right now. And be peaceful about it and everything will be okay for you, flesh. All right? But here's the thing. Let's turn to Genesis 22. Even the things that God has promised you and the things that have been a blessing in the past can be things that God will ask you for. You know, going back to, you know, are we okay? I, I can tell you there was a period of time in my life where I, I would have made the comment, I don't like people. And God asked me to come out of that comfort zone. And what I was doing was I was really in fear that if I trusted people, I would get hurt by them. Well, guess what? If you trust people, corrupted people, guess what? You're, you're going to get hurt by them. But which is better, making your fear the source of your comfort or making God? So God says, hey, I want you to move out into this world and be an ambassador. And that involves trusting people. It involves trusting a pastor, a shepherd. It involves trusting the people that are sitting next to you. It involves trusting people and putting your flesh feelings on the line. Do you love me, Jesus says, more than your feelings? And so I was sitting there going, Lord, I just don't like people. But yet he was calling me to minister to people. Well, that's a bad predicament to be in. (laughs) You know, because if you don't like people and then you get put up with all the stuff they bring to your doorstep, you know, that just is a recipe for suckiness, right? And uh, I... I just had to listen to the Lord. I said, Lord, because then he took me to Isaiah 60, and uh, he said, look to the rock from whence you were hewn. In other words, look to the 
character and makeup and DNA nature of Jesus and you come out of that same rock, you were hewn out of the same rock, you have the same nature and DNA. In other words, anything that's not thinking like Jesus is a counterfeit and a deception. And he said, so what he was saying to me is, change your thinking. Because he said, Jesus was all about people. And I was like, got to put it like that, God. That's what my flesh was saying. But my spirit said, because I'd already made a decision, Lord, I'm all in with you. And I won't say that I was fully doing everything yet, but I was on the path towards all in idness. That was just for Barrett because she loves English. <laughs> so I was on the path, and here's what I found. I didn't want to give that up. I wanted to not like people. Doesn't that sound stupid now? <laughs> but I wanted to not like people. I wanted to be an introvert. I didn't want to, I kind of wanted to be up in front of people, but I'm maybe not enough to like people. But I decided to be obedient. And I asked him for help. I said, Lord, I need your help. Help me cut this tie to the flesh. Help me cut this tie to my comfort zone. And he showed me exactly what to do. And I found within a week, my attitude really started to change. And over the years, as I continued to trust people and to lay my life out there for them in ministry, this is what I found. I really do like people. I liked him the whole time. I had believed a lie. I, I was deceived. I, my nature was of Christ. I was, I was cut out of the same rock, the same fabric, the same spiritual DNA. And you know what? I really did like him. And you know what I liked even more? I loved helping him. It was a part of who I am as a Christian. It's part of who you are as a Christian. And I found that what I felt like I was giving up God replaced with something so much better that brings me a real and true joy. So anytime he asks you for something, he's, you know, there's the picture. We mentioned it several times. There's the picture of the little girl clenching her little teddy bear that's about, you know, eight inches high. And Jesus is saying, just trust me. Give it to me. And behind his back, he's ready to pull it out. It's waiting on her decision. There's this like you know, two-foot teddy bear to give to her. And we'll go, no, no, I want my comfort zone. I want, my, I want to keep my flesh. And what we're really doing is saying, Lord, I don't trust you. Lord, I don't know you. Because if you really know him, you would trust him. He's, he's worthy of that. His character and nature is worthy of that. What we're really saying is, I want my flesh more than I want what you want, Jesus. Well, that's a dangerous place because in that place, you are lukewarm. And the devil will rip you back and forth between those two positions. And it hurts and it stinks. And man, it's just something. So here in Genesis 22, God had promised Abraham his son. And then God's promise comes up. Isaac is born, the promised son. And then 
God says, give me your son, sacrifice him. Now see, I, I can tell you in this situation, this is what religion would be saying. But this is you for me to sacrifice him. Get away from me, devil. You, God, promised me this, and you're not taking him away. And we would put that on the devil. Yet it was God asking him for that. He was asking him not just for something that he loved and that he cherished and that he longed for, but he had ties to in the flesh. He had a love for his son, which is absolutely correct and right. And yet God was asking for him. Sometimes God will ask you things that you do not understand. But the important thing to remember is, who's asking? And what is his nature? And what is his character? And if he's asking, it's only to bring about opportunity. In this particular case, what God was doing was he was circumventing the plans of the devil and bringing life to the whole world because God had established a law that said as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. So that law was in place and what he was asking Abraham to do in the big picture was to plant his only son, the life of his only son, so that through Abraham all the world could receive life through Jesus Christ. He was asking Abraham to give his son and plant the seed, but not just in, in a, a, a flippant action, but in a heartfelt, Lord, I really give them to you. I'm willing to kill them. And when Abraham planted that seed of faith, on his son, he planted the seed of his son, all of mankind could harvest the fruit of the Son of God. There's a huge thing going on here. This is not something that God asked you for every day. But at the same time, this is represented by the stuff that he asked you for every day in your lives. The small things where we have ties to the flesh. Maybe they're even a promise of God. And Abraham, it doesn't show us that Abraham sat around going, Oh, God, no, why? It shows Abraham getting up the next morning and heading out to make it happen. Yeah. This is why he was the father of faith. The question is, will you be the kind of person that misses the things of God because you sit around and logic and, and you waste time asking God why and making excuses and coming up with any other option but what he actually asked you to do or will you be the kind of per person that says alright you asked me to turn off the TV yes sir click not well I really wanted to see the end of that program God just give me seven minutes till the half of the hour which one are we going to be you know we're wanting God to move through us in miraculous ways and yet we can't even turn the TV off we're wanting God to move through us in miraculous ways and yet we, we can't even put away the option to not come to church 
how is God going to move in Abraham, Hebrews 11 type ways and bring the power of heaven into your life if we can't even cut ties with those little bitty small things? How's he going to do that? He can't because he's given you the power to make the choice. Will you go all in and cut ties with the flesh or not? Now in Hebrews 11, it goes over there and it tells us that Abraham, in his heart, Isaac was already dead before he plunged the knife. It says, this is what it basically says, he trusted that God would raise him back from the dead, but he was going to kill him. Many times there's things in our life that God's not really after the thing and he's definitely not looking to bring down your joy. What he's after is, does he have your whole heart? Are you willing to cut ties with your comfort zone? Are you willing, you know, let's just look at work. Are you willing to trust God more then you're willing to trust the number of hours that you put in. Because a lot of people will work 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And the reason that they're doing that is because they trust their hours more than they trust God. Are we willing to, um, uh, you know, Harley and I were talking the other day while he was looking for a job because he had one potential come up, but it would take him out of church. And I told him, I said, that's a trap. We've seen that many times. That was that particular opportunity. And, and so in that kind of situation, just to use that as an example, are you willing to trust God, not take that job that will actually take you away from the place that God's already told you to be and told you to do? Are you willing to trust God more than you are the comfort of, I need a paycheck right now? Because if you trust God, what's going to happen? What happened to Abraham? He didn't have to actually kill his son. But he did have to give him in his heart. We made the statement that says, you know, if you can't release it within two seconds, then you don't have that thing. That thing has you. I mean, I've got some things that I'm really tied to that I really love in my life but I need to constantly be examining does this thing have me or do I have it because if I'm not willing to give it up and it can be a promise from God I had a period of time where the Lord I felt like he had shown me his will he showed me what he wanted to get done and it didn't happen but I knew it was his will Mankind missed it and didn't get into the perfect will of God. And I had vision for it. God had given me vision. And, and what I had to do, what the Lord then asked me to do, was to kill the vision that he had given me. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. But I couldn't get back to the place where my heart was right until I did that. Because by keeping that vision open, once mankind had missed it and plan B went into effect, as long as I kept that vision open, I could not submit to what was the new plan of God. And so I had to trust him. 
And I had to follow him. I had to be willing to kill even what he had given me. Galatians, this hit me this week. Galatians 6, 9 said, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Going all in is simply just not quitting on the things of God. You realize, well, here's what we have done really as a church, is we have, we have fallen into the habit of feigning. Why? If we have fallen into the habit of giving up before we see it come to pass, pass by faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. We have fallen into a habit of feigning. Why should we expect that we're going to reap if we keep on backing out of our commitment of going all in with God? If we keep on retying the knots to the ties of our flesh after we've cut them. It's like with calling our, our family when we needed financial help. How can we expect to harvest the things of God's love that he's trying to manifest if I keep retying the knot by making the phone call? to the physical provision we can't we've made a habit of feigning in the new american standard it says this let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary that tells me that we have the ability and the potential within us to grow to not grow weary if God's putting it out there like that, that means He will empower us to stay strong and not faint. And so when we're going down this path, running the race of God, and we come to a place and we're just like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I've got to recognize what that thought is. I've got to recognize if I'm going to be all in, then that thought is not of God. And if that thought is not of God, I want nothing to do with it. Instantaneously, that is a thought that I'm not giving myself the right to think ever again. And now I continue to press forward and to not faint. And guess what happens when I don't faint? I'll reap. You will reap. The New Living said, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's what all in is. I'll go to the end if it doesn't, even if it kills me. That's what Revelation 12 says. For they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And then the part that nobody ever says hardly is that they loved not their lives even until the death. In other words, they were all in on the blood. They were all in on the promise, the testimony that they were given. They were all in even to the point where they would go to the end, even to death. And those are the ones that overcame. Yep. You know, you may be sitting here going, Brian, it's just too hard. Yep. I've hit this before. And I get to that place and I just can't handle it. Yep. Well, first of all, know that that is a lie from the devil. Amen. You can handle it because, Amen. listen, I, Wednesday night, Nicole preached something. She said it. I was listening to the message while I was out of town. She said, God believes in you. 
And man, that thing exploded in me. God believes in you. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So when your mind says, when your fleshly side of your mind says, I can't take it, I can't handle it, you're calling God a liar. That's pride. And that's the beginning of feigning, which is the beginning of not reaping. Because you allow that thought to rest and reside when it should have never been there in the first place. God basically says this, if you're facing something, you can come through it or else you wouldn't be facing it. So when that thought of, I just, I just can't do this anymore, you ought to recognize who is speaking that, and it is not God, and you ought to say, uh-uh, you're not bullying me around any longer, devil. You're not pushing me to go back to what I'm comfortable with, go back to the thing that doesn't work for me anymore. You're not going to do it. I will stand. Amen. God believes in me, or else I wouldn't be in this position. Amen. God believes in me. God believes in you. God believes in you. Yep. He believes in you. You know, sometimes we're feeling like I can't do it. Sometimes you can do this. Sometimes you feel like, I'm just not who you are, Brian. God, I'm just not who you've called me to be. In Isaiah 6, it says this, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Isaiah's getting ready to be commissioned into a great and mighty work. Let me say this. You are getting ready to be commissioned into a great and mighty work called Christianity where the Holy Spirit is already beginning to convict you and draw you into an all-in lifestyle. It's a great and mighty work. An all-in Christian is an absolutely great and mighty work. And if we had more of them, this world would look so different. But well, because we've said and listened to the voices of I can and I can't handle this, it's kept us out of all in. And when we've been kept out of all in, we haven't entered into the promises that are actually there and waiting on us. You are about to enter into a great mission from God. So you should see yourself right here. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim, or angels, stood above him, each having six wings. And with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe to me, for I am ruined. In other words, he saw the holiness of God. And he said, what he was saying is, I'm not worthy to be here. And I'm in trouble because I'm in over my head. Woe to me. I'm undone. I'm a man because I'm a man of unclean lips. 
and I live in a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In other words, he was saying, I'm dead. I'm done. God's calling you into a mission of being an all-in Christian. And it is the greatest task that you will ever pick up. He can't lead you to the Hebrews 11 type stuff and the miracles of God if you haven't decided before you get to that place that I'm not turning back. He can't lead you to that. You want to do great things with God? Then you've got to be willing for him to come in and start correcting and showing you the things that you're missing and empowering you. You've got to start seeing that God believes in you. You wouldn't be here if you couldn't handle it through Christ. Amen. But you may be going, I, I, you just don't know, Brian. i got stuff in my life. I am not the holiness of God. And if I even approach him, I'm dead. I'm done. My righteousness doesn't even compare to God's righteousness. I make mistakes all the time. You just don't know. Do you know, Brian, how big it is for me just to be sitting here today? Do you know how big it is just for me to be listening to a message? I'm pretty pleased and happy that I actually tuned in. How can I do the great things of God? Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is the same thing that Peter did when Jesus told him to cast the nets the first time. And the holiness of God, the holiness of heaven, showed up in his boat, and he hit his knees and said, get away from me. He said, I'm not worthy. But Jesus didn't kick him out of the boat. He did the same thing that happens right here. Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with his tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. God believes in you. That's right. You can do this. And where you're lacking, God will touch you and bring you up. You've got to trust that he knows how to empower you. God will empower you to be the all-in Christian that he's calling you to be. God will empower you. God will help you. He'll help you when you feel like you're weak. He'll help you when, when you feel like you're not enough. He will come and bring a coal, and bring his fire from his altar, his holy altar, and touch you with his anointing, touch you with his holiness, touch you with his righteousness, so that you can be the person that he's called you to be. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He will take your coming to him, and your decision to go all in. Your decision to faint not. And he will take maybe your minimal amount. The am- amount that's not sufficient. And he will add his sufficiency. So that you can do and have this testimony. Thanks be unto God. Yeah. Who's always leading me to triumph. And manifest through me the sweet aroma 
of the knowledge of him in every place, in every place, in every place, in every place, who always leads me to triumph. He'll take your humanity and as you're willing to cut ties with the flesh to give up the things that your flesh holds as important and you're willing to say that, he will meet you at that place and bring a sufficiency of heaven so that your life can overflow with his life. Isaiah then says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? So you should ask that. Hear the voice of the Lord in your life today. Who will I send? Will it be you? Will you accept the call of the mission to go all in with God? Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah said, and you should say, Here I am. Send me. Here am I. Send me. I'll stand in the gap. I'll cut the ties that bind us. I will, I, will, I will bring what I have. It may not be everything, but I will bring what I have. And Lord, I believe in you to help me be who you've called me to be. I believe that you believe in me. I believe that you will empower me where my weakness is not strong enough. I believe that you will touch my humanity and turn it into the supernatural power of God. You can do this. You can go all in with God. I just want to tell you, no matter who's hearing this message, I believe in you. I believe in you. God believes in you. Today, I, I really saw this. I saw that today, past ties and change to comfort are going to be broken. You know, maybe you've been, you've been trying to cut something off for such a long time, and I'm going to lay hands on you, and those ties are going to break. Those ties to the bonds that have held you down, they're going to break. They're going to come off of you, and you're going to experience a freedom. And the only question is, you just don't turn back. Don't be like the dog that returns to the own, its own vomit. Don't turn back to the vomit of the flesh. What is the flesh? What is that lukewarmness? That's where he says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Don't turn back to lukewarm. Go all in and never turn back. So once those chains are broken, just experience the fullness of God. So you can just sit there. I'm just going to come around and let the Lord lead me. If you absolutely want me, I, I don't know that I'll touch everybody. But if you absolutely want some prayer and want to break some ties, just keep your hand raised and I'll come by. Lord, we praise you. If you can play a little bit of music. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. Lord, we call right now just for your supernatural anointing of Jesus Christ to break every tie to the flesh. Lord, let your power to break be loosed so that the ties of the flesh will be cut for good. Lord, right now we thank you for your power and your glory. Thank you for the breaking of 
every tie in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every tie being broken. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Titos dovro badanst machtkune metikure yanti thank you for empowering us to go all in for you and to not faint but to reap the harvest of your will to reap the harvest of your will thank you for the anointing of Christ that breaks every yoke the freedom of God in the lives of your people thank you Father thank you Lord Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Freedom be in Jesus' name. 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 Thank you, Lord. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Freedom be in Jesus' name. You should expect that things, you might not even recognize it, but all of a sudden you'll be doing something, you'll be like, man... I didn't even feel the flesh that time. What? Oh, that was when Pastor Brian prayed. That kind of stuff is happening right now in you. Just by hearing the prayer. That kind of stuff in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be in Jesus' name. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Freedom. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for unraveling. Freedom be in Jesus' name. Freedom, fullness of freedom. Fullness of freedom. Even physical things. In Jesus' name, freedom be. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Freedom be. In Jesus' name. Freedom right now. In every way, in everything. Freedom be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Freedom be in Jesus' name. We praise you. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Freedom be. Thank you, Father. Freedom be. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. 
And I'd just like to ask, how many people, they felt the power of God breaking things as we prayed? Will you raise, keep it up for a second? Amen. That's about 80, 85% that felt it. And that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Feelings are not, that's not what we go by. But that's neat when you can just experience how real God is. Lord, I thank you that you not only broke the things that were on their mind right now, but you broke the things that weren't on their mind. You broke the things that are deep and rooted and have been veiled and deceptions in their life. Lord, that you cut the ties. Your strength broke through to the freedom of Christ right now. Now, your spirits in Jesus' name, through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, rise up to the places that God has for you. Be the all in Christian that God has called you to be. Be everything that He's called you to do. Do that. Do those things that He's moving you towards. Accept that responsibility. Accept that empowerment. Accept the faith that God has in you to see and do all things that He's leading you to. Right now, those spirits inside of you that are born again, that are the righteousness of God in Christ, fulfill your mission to be the kind of people that call Jesus Lord and they don't just have lip service, but their actions make Him Lord. Fruit that remains. Lord, thank You for all-in Christians. Thank You for passionate people. Thank You for people that are passionate for You and free from the ties of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise